It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are flying high with Locked On Eagles, your daily source for the best Philadelphia Eagles news and analysis. I am your host, Benjamin Solak of NDT Scouting and Bleeding Green Nation. I am not joined by my co-host, Mike Kiss, today. He left me not unlike my wife, but that's okay. I've got with me John Owning, NFL Content Manager for FanRag Sports. John, thank you so much for joining me today, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you for inviting me on. Let's have some fun. Uh, we're going to go over kind of the Dallas Cowboys and Eagles rookie classes. We've got a big draft focus on this pod. As you guys know, listening to me and Mike, John is an excellent draft eye. He's a fantastic follow on Twitter at John Owning. Owning is spelled as you'd expect. Excellent for edge prospects, which will definitely help us a little bit. But one of the most important things for you to know about John, gentle listeners, is that he wants to grapple with James Harrison. John, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I think it would be fun. James Harrison's big. He's strong. I assume he doesn't have a whole ton of grappling experience, so I think I have him in that in that category. So I think my technique would be able to compensate for the severe, severe advantage he has in strength. So you're jiu-jitsu, right? That's your thing? Yes, sir. I've been doing jiu-jitsu since 2009. No, that's, and that's wonderful. I have all the respect in the world for that. As the listeners know, because I joke around about it, I was, I was a state cross country runner in high school, man. I am five foot seven, 140 pounds. I watched these, these videos of, of James Harrison doing this stuff in the locker room, like in the weight room. It oh. terrifies me. Like oh. even that alone. And the scowl he has, it's not like he's all happy and jovial. He looks like he wants to kill somebody while he's doing it and you know what i think makes it the most hardcore like really puts it over the top he's always in like hoodies and his sweatpants right we're like like making himself suffer even more than he needs to he's just so menacing he's like the epitome of terrifying in the nfl i think he's everybody's person most intimidating player in the nfl no absolutely he's he's terrifying and john would like to grapple with him and so i have no no set up for that benjamin get that set up for me Oh, absolutely. No, I'll, I'll work my contacts, man. You know that I've, I've got James Harrison on speed dial. Absolutely. God forbid. But either way, all right, we're going to get into this. Eagles-Cowboys draft classes, getting ready for a big clash coming up in week 11. Obviously, the Eagles are on the bye. Timmy Jernigan, some news broke for him as far as, uh, you know, Eagles with a four-year extension, $48 million. We'll be touching that more on the Monday show. Now, if you are a Cowboys fan listening in, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott, another develop in his suspension case, you should head on over to Locked on Cowboys with Marcus Mosher. They do a great job there. I'm sure they're breaking it down for you. But we're talking draft classes, and there's a ton of parallels between the Eagles and the Cowboys draft classes. It's very interesting. We'll go round by round, but you'll start to see them develop. It starts off round one, two edge uh, edge defenders and Derek Barnett out of Tennessee with the Eagles 14th overall. And then 28th overall is, is the uh, is Taco Charlton, defensive end out of Michigan. And John, I want you to start us off because I know Cowboys fans have very strong opinions about Taco Charlton. Yeah, well, Taco, honestly, through the first eight weeks of the season, he hasn't been great. It's been It's been a struggle for him, mostly. He's been... He's very raw with his technique, and he does not know how to use his physical advantages really at all yet. 
He has really long arms, really good length. I think he has like 30, over 34-inch arms. And he doesn't do a good job of pressing and releasing at the line of at the line of scrimmage to create that separation that he needs to be able to separate. He doesn't have the strength or he's not that great of an athlete to be able to win with quickness really to the edge of the gap. So he needs to really utilize his length in a similar way that David Irving has been doing this season and being really successful. But Taco just hasn't been there. I think he, he, he just got his first sack of the season this last week on a, on kind of a coverage sack where Alex Smith stepped up and he kind of, peeled off his block to get the sack. So that was encouraging. You're starting to see him use and set up his moves a little bit more. A little bit more. You're starting to see the cerebral side of his game start to come in. But honestly, it has, it's been very below average up until this point. Now, John, when, when pick 28 rolled around, there were more than a few edge rushers left on the board. Were you behind the Charlton pick, or did you want somebody else? Oh, no, I was sad. I was on the, on the live feed for FanRag Sports, and I – Tried to not cry on stage. I was so disheartened. I really wanted uh, T.J. Watt was the guy. Right. And what were your thoughts? Obviously, you know, Derek Barnett, he's a rotational rotational player for the Eagles right now. But what did you kind of think of him coming out? I know edge rushers are are really your specialty. I was actually a big fan. He, I had a a really, like, a very edge of the late first round, early second round. He came out with, like, a – Barely on the edge. He's at early second round. Mm-hmm. I really loved his ability, his bend around the corner, his flexibility, his angles and hips to create steep angles to really shorten the corner around offensive tackles was great. He obviously didn't have the best athleticism. His burst wasn't that great. But I really liked his ability to use his hands to sharpen, to soften the edge at the arc if he doesn't win with his feet. And then when he gets a good jump on the snap, then you really see his flexibility really get utilized. Absolutely, yeah. And Barnett, he's seen increased playing time, Eagles fans. you got to be excited about that. Now, Pro Football Focus has a stat, uh, pass rush productivity, which is an amalgamation of, of the hits, the hurries, and the sacks that a pass rusher generates uh, compared to how many pass rushing opportunities they see. And Derek Barnett's at a 10.2 PRP right now. That's second highest among all rookies. Tack, uh, Tack McKinley is leading it over in Atlanta. But Derek Barnett has seen an increase of snaps. He's seen over 30 snaps in the last four games. And all, all three of his sacks so far in the year have come come within that last four game span so he's starting to wake up a little bit you know uh he's still not as productive as brandon graham chris longar but he's actually more productive than vinnie curry has been so you know kind of looking at this eagle defensive line now with the extension of timmy jernigan you wonder you know who in this edge group may be the odd man out and and vinnie curry carries a very a very heavy contract if Derek barnett continues to outproduce him i think you're you're very likely going to see vinnie curry make his way elsewhere whether they they cut him and take some dead cap or they try to restructure and trade so i think you know round one two edge rushers i think you can uh pretty handily give the edge to philadelphia there round two things get uh you know a little trickier you gotta you gotta do a little bit more projecting because obviously the eagles second round pick 43rd overall was Sidney jones cornerback out of washington now he has not yet seen the field obviously still on the nfi non-football injury list uh Sidney jones can begin practicing at any time he's available and eligible for that however once he begins practicing the eagles would have three weeks uh to consider making him active and if they did not make him active they would have to put him on IR for the rest of the season. Now, if you listened to our, uh, our Thursday pod, Jimmy Kemsky of Philly Voice came on and he made the very astute point that if Sidney Jones is not active for uh, five or more games this season, 
then at the end of his rookie contract after four years, he's not an unrestricted free agent. He becomes a restricted free agent. And it can be a lot easier to res- to sign, obviously, restricted free agents and cheaper as well. So it's something to watch for Sidney Jones. It's very debatable if the Eagles will see him play in 2017, especially considering the production they've gotten out of other, other corners. And we'll get to that when we get to round three. But Sidney Jones hasn't seen the field yet. Now, for Dallas, it was Chidobe Awuzie, cornerback out of Colorado. Awuzie, one of the 28 players who attended Ended the first round, believing that he could potentially go there. Lasts all the way to 60 for Dallas. It was considered a great value pick at a position of need for the Cowboys at the time. Jadobi Woozy was a very productive corner out of Colorado, but from what I understand, he's been dealing with injury there in Dallas. Is that right? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, he's had a lingering hamstring issues that have really hampered his ability to stay on the field. He's not been able to practice. He just now actually returned to practice today with his first time back. So hopefully he'll be able to play Sunday against the Falcons. But in his he in his sparing playing time, he's been he's he's flashed well in the first game against the New York Giants. He played well at cornerback. He showed well. He showed good ability to be sticky in man coverage. Good awareness in zone coverage. A big thing I, that I really liked about him coming out was the reports on how intelligent it was. And you can really see that translate for the Cowboys. He plays in, he has good zone drops. He know, he knows where his eyes are supposed to be. He always play. He's not going to make very many mental mistakes, which is great, but he still has issues with his transitioning. I would say at cornerback, which is a big reason why I think Dallas is going to start playing him a lot more at safety, which is where they moved him before his most recent hamstring injury. So is the anticipation kind of looking forward? Because you've got a lot of young bodies here in this secondary. We're going to get into a couple more of them later. Do you anticipate moving forward for the Cowboys to Dobia Woozy, you know, kind of similarly to Byron Jones, who was a little bit of a corner safety hybrid when he came out of UConn. Do you envision them playing a Woozy at safety for the for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I see them moving him around, being kind of like a matchup player, kind of like Byron Jones, like kind of like their Byron Jones 2.0, the guy who... He plays a lot. He's going to be playing some strong safety. He's going to be playing a lot in the box, covering running backs out of the backfield, tight ends, and slot receivers, I think, is what you're going to see him playing a lot. I don't think you're going to see him playing a lot of traditional, like, single high safety stuff or uh, split safety looks. I think he's going to be a lot kind of like that dime linebacker or that nickel linebacker type guy who can be match up against some of these wide-open offenses that the Cowboys are going to be going against, like the Falcons, like the Eagles, and those type of situations. That makes sense. And if memory serves, Awuzie was a big uh, tackle for Lost Guy. Great in run support when he was in college. And so that wouldn't surprise me if, if, if he finds a home there. I like that a lot. And hey, round three, we're sticking with corners. Uh, both the Eagles and, and, the, and the, the Cowboys again drafting the same position three rounds in a row now. Uh, the Eagles take Rasul Douglas uh, at, at 99 overall, seven picks earlier. The Cowboys took Jordan Lewis out of Michigan at, at 92nd overall. And 
And common listeners of the pod will know that I am over the moon when it comes to Rasul Douglas. He was one of my big draft crushes coming out. I thought he was a borderline first-round talent for a little bit. His combine kind of made me put him uh, more firmly in the second round. But at the back end of the third, he was an extraordinary value. And, you know, Douglas has kind of been a, a matchup player. You know, he was he was forced into, into starting uh, with the injury of Ronald Darby. And he saw 70 snaps in that week three game after Darby went down. Now, with the emergence of Patrick Robinson and the continued improved play of Jalen Mills uh, the young rookie hasn't had to see the playing time necessarily that you know he he would have if those players hadn't you know emerged in the way that they did but over the last three weeks he's kind of settled in uh, you know he's seen increasing playing time 20 snaps uh, in week seven 30 snaps in week eight and then 39 in week nine and they like to they like to get him matched up on those bigger receivers uh, you know uh, a, a clip I posted to my timeline got pretty popular where Douglas just played a double move really great and you've heard me call him this a lot before a feast or a famine player where you know he'll give up some big plays and and, and he'll make some big plays well him playing a double move you know over the top with headiness understanding that he had a deep third responsibility is really just sublime stuff because those were mistakes that he was making earlier now you know, again, going back to pro football focus snaps, there's a lot of reasons to be encouraged about Douglas's performance over the past five weeks. Uh, you know, he's seen 5.5 cover snaps per target. So what that means is when he's in coverage, teams are trying to throw the ball at him. They, they, they want to. That's their goal. It's incredibly low. It's 10th in the NFL. That being said, however... If you compare his coverage snaps to his receptions, not to his targets, he's allowing four, he's got 14.1 coverage snaps per reception. And that's 21st best in the NFL. It's on the opposite side, which means that even though he's seeing a higher number of targets than, than a lot of highly graded corners, he's still preventing receptions at an excellent, excellent rate, which is really, really encouraging, even though it's a smaller sample size. Over those past five weeks, only given up 100 yards on nine catches, 23 targets, one touchdown and one interception. Again, it's a bit of a high-variance player. He's got development to do, but the, what they've asked of him is a third-rounder to step in with injuries. He's done a fantastic job. Yeah, Rasul Duggan, actually him coming out, I was a big fan. I really like big physical corners like him that have good ball skills, and I was kind of upset that you guys drafted him in the third round. Jonah Tolls was another guy yeah. who sold on him. He was a huge fan, and that, after I saw him going, I had to go get my own fill, and I really liked him. So when you guys grabbed him as a Cowboys fan, I was not not happy. And I feel similarly about your pick at 92 because Jordan Lewis, cornerback out of Michigan, is a fun player. He's the sort of guy you love to watch his tape. Super scrappy, super feisty, even though he's undersized. And and yeah, the corner, uh, the Cowboys double dipped a corner. It was a position of the of need, same as it was for Philadelphia. Uh, Awuzie and, and Jones obviously have both struggled to see the field as we talked about. How has Lewis performed when he's been out there? He's been fantastic. He's played so much more, so much above my expectations. He's been fantastic in run support despite like you said he's being undersized he's been really great as a force player in the run game and he's at he even tackled Todd Gurley one-on-one in space which is an incredible feat for any defender let alone a rookie cornerback coming who's undersized like you said and then as is his coverage he's been great a lot of people actually think he's been the Cowboys best pure cover corner he's Really at his best when he can use his hands to press and uh, play press band coverage at the line of scrimmage and really feel his way through the route. Since he's not the best athlete, he's kind of stiff in his hips. He needs to have his hand on the on the receiver to be able to feel those breaks so he can anticipate them a little bit better. He struggles when he has to carry routes either deep with his pure speed or deep over routes across the line uh, across the field. So when he's sticking in zone. Coverage, he's good. Man coverage against anything else except those where he's really tested athletically, he's been fantastic. He's been 
so much more than I ever thought he was going to be. I was a really big fan of Chidobe coming out, not as big of a fan as Jordan Lewis, mm-hmm. but it's totally changed my opinion on him. He's, I think he's at his future projection is actually much better than a woozy at this point. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Right, and Jordan Lewis, folks uh, assumed he would go a little bit higher than 92. He had a, a, a legal issue, I believe, coming into the draft. Has that all been squared away with Lewis? Yeah, yeah, he was exonerated from the charge. Yeah, and that, that, you know, there's a value pick. So well done on the Cowboys front office there. Moving to the fourth round is where things just get like silly interesting. The Eagles had two selections there: uh, Mac Collins, the Tar Heels wide receiver. No, don't remind me. Mac Collins was my my biggest what my biggest mid to late round receiver crush, and then you guys grab him, and I wanted to cry. Oh, I'm sorry, John. We got to go through it, man. And so that's that's pick 118 overall. 132 is Danell Pumphrey. Eagles traded up to that selection. Originally belonged to the Minnesota Vikings because at 133 sat the Dallas Cowboys, uh, one pick behind. And the, the rumor was they wanted Pumphrey. Eagles decided to make the trade up to get him, giving off a seventh in exchange. And then the Cowboys go ahead and pick Ryan Switzer, Mac Hollins' teammate, the wide receiver again at the University of North Carolina. So that was a rife round there for storylines between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Looking at the Eagles' picks, you got to be so psyched about what you've seen from Mac Hollins. Obviously, he's only seen 10 targets over the year, nine receptions for 172 yards, though, which is almost 20 yards per catch. What you're looking at here, though, is in the past four games, came seven of those targets, six of those catches, 140 of those yards, and the touchdown. He's really woken up in the past four to three weeks. The the snap counts have drastically increased in the past three weeks from seven to 18 to 30. And he's even seen more snaps uh, in the running game. They've used him, you know, big body, six foot four, 220 pounds. They've used him as a crackback blocker. They brought him in on, on jet motion and they brought him into nasty alignments and used him to kind of seal off ends, especially in the most recent game against the Broncos in which Zach Ertz's starting tight end was injured. You know, Mac Hollins, I would say of all the Eagles we've talked about, you know, Barnett's probably going to get starter rep. Sidney Jones has a path to be a starter, but Mac Hollins has a very interesting path to get starter reps next year on the Philadelphia Eagles. Torrey Smith is a likely cap casualty. Alshon Jeffrey's contract is expiring and it's unsure how, if the Eagles want to bring him back. And then ahead of that, you got Nelson Aguilar in the slot. I mean, that X or Z position for Mac Hollins is there for the take. And I know it hurts for you to hear, John, but Hollins is, is making hay in Philadelphia. Yeah, he's playing well. I see him catching deep passes all the time and just thinking what could have been. Is he still playing really good on special teams? Is he as good on special teams as he was in college? Oh, baby. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 one of our gunners. He's making some tackles. I'm pretty sure he, he downed a ball inside of the five or something like that as well. But he's just he's a Philly guy through and through. We love him over here. Now, now your boy Ryan Switzer, on the other hand, you know, he's he has a lot of thickness ahead of him there in the wide receiver ranks. you got Cole Beasley as one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. Des Bryant, obviously, out there as your split end. And then Terrence Williams as a flanker. It's debatable whether or not you like that setup. Has Switzer been able to impact the game much? How's his special teams impact been? 
Um, it's been a struggle for him a lot on offense. He hasn't really been able to really get established in a, an established role because a lot of what Cole Beasley does is what Ryan Switzer does. He was able to come in when Cole Beasley was here with the concussion and get a really big third down on a nice little option route to the sideline where you really saw what makes you excited for him in the Cowboys offense in the future, the quickness off the line and be able to change direction really quickly and they explode out of his cuts and the sheer hands on special teams as a, Returner, it's been kind of it's been kind of hit or miss. As a punt returner, he hasn't been as dynamic as I thought he was going to be. Some of his um, decisions on whether to catch the ball or not to, or to let it bounce have been questionable. But nothing has really happened to sour me on his future impact. I always thought he was somebody that he would need to be there for a year or two before his impact really came so Cowboys would really know how to use him in the best way in coordination with Cole Beasley because it's not as easy as people think just to insert them both on the field and have them both be effective and productive. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're asking a lot out of your offensive line if you're trying to play any sort of run game with two five foot eight wide receivers out there in the slots. But yeah, that other fourth round pick for the Eagles, Danelle Pumphrey, much maligned by Philadelphia Eagle fans everywhere. And obviously they traded up, like I said, in front of the Cowboys to go get him. Uh, as I've done, you know, I was a big Pumphrey guy coming out of college, and as I've done uh, uh, during his career as an Eagle. You know, I'll encourage patience. This is a guy who he was drafted for his physical tools. He has insane foot speed. He has incredible agility. He has just natural vision. He's he's a truly explosive player. And he was brought into training camp. He was asked to learn how to return punts, which he hadn't done before. He, he was learned how to run routes out of the slot, which he had not done before. During this process, he tore his hamstring and had to sit on the side of, or he, he didn't tear it, excuse me, the first time he had a, you know, a strain in August in the beginning. And he had to sit on the sideline and watch when he was trying to learn new playbooks at different positions than he played in college. And then, yeah, when you saw him run the ball you know reps that he hadn't received in practice during preseason games he didn't look too good you know flat out then you get to the middle of September you know Pumphrey makes it onto the active roster uh, there's a, a, a big uproar get to the middle of September and then he tears his hamstring fully and he enters IR now you know you got to worry about that you worry that he's lost his explosiveness he had to put on about 10 pounds of weight coming into camp which you know that you got to carry that and that can be tough for a guy with a five foot nine frame and then add on to that the fact that you've got a hamstring injury. You wonder how bursty he'll be if and when he comes back. But you got you got to be patient. This is a gadget player, and it's going to take a little bit for him to develop and step into the role. You know, Darren Sproles with the injury this year, it's unsure if he'll come back. And if Darren Sproles doesn't, Pumphrey's going to get the first look at that position. So that's round four. We'll kind of lump together these final rounds. You know, you know, you don't necessarily get too much value, but I think both the Eagles uh, and the Cowboys got at least one name that should impress. Eagles get Shelton Gibson and Nathan Gary both in the fifth round. Gibson makes it onto the practice squad. Or excuse me, Gibson's on the active roster, but he, he, he's never active on game day. Nathan Gary was on the practice squad. And then it was activated uh, you know, after the injury to Chris Maragos. I like him as that linebacker safety hybrid. I think he's got a cool future, but it's a few years down the road. Elijah Qualls in the sixth round is the dude now. You know, uh, 214 was, was the pick. That's where he was selected. But he's seen some limited reps with the injury to Fletcher Cox, the injury uh, to Destiny Veo in front of him. I was very excited about Qualls coming out of Washington. I had him as a borderline 150 player, and he was drafted about 75 picks after that. You know, he played out of position so often for the dubs. But, you know, they're asking him to rush off the edge. They're asking him to two-gap and one-gap and slant and crash. So many different things. Here in Philadelphia, you know, 313 pounds. 
He plays nose. He plays one tech. He's got similar responsibilities, and he's shown that fire in his hands that we saw from him. You know, he's got a boxing background, and he's shown that explosiveness from his running back background as well. This guy's an athlete at 310. So, you know, with the Timmy Jernigan extension, it's very likely Bo Allen will be released at the end of this year. Go see Greener Pastures. Elijah Qual is going to step in and be that backup defensive tackle. Who do you got for your your, uh, your big group there in the back end, John? Well, the number one guy is obviously Xavier Woods. He's been mine numbingly amazing for the Cowboys, I feel like, for a six-round safety. He's been great. I actually don't understand why he's not starting right now over a guy like Jeff Heath who's been struggling. Xavier Woods is a guy, the, the weakness part of his game is run support. He's still not great with run support. He's still not great with the physicality of coming up and laying the wood and sticking his nose in the fray against bigger running backs. But I, he's not... He's not unwilling. He's just his technique isn't great. He's sliding, falling off of tackles. He's not wrapping up correctly. He's not getting his head on the right hip. Things like that. Things that are that are fixable. But in coverage, he's been he's been fantastic. Or rather, he's the robber in cover one, or he's playing single high or a split safety look. He takes great angles. His eyes are in the right spot. He's taking positive breaks on the ball. He's meaning he's breaking on the ball as the quarterback is throwing it, not after the quarterback lets go of the ball. So it's been great. He's been able to get his hands on a couple of balls in special teams. He's been great. He's been able to go down and get key tackles. He's just been such a revelation. I think he's a guy who can, in the future, he's going to be Byron Jones's main teammate, main uh, partner as in the starting Cowboys starting secondary. Yeah, so let me let me uh, pick your brain about that real quick because the Cowboys had a grand total of I believe it was four selections there, including Marquez White, the cornerback out of Florida State. Now he didn't really stick on the roster, but you know we've got a lot of youth in that Dallas secondary. Anthony Brown, uh, that corner, you know he was a he was a, he came out of the class of sixteen. You got three rookies there providing some depth. You know, John, uh, what do you envision this Cowboys secondary looking like in two three years? In two to three years, I think you're going to see Jordan Lewis become a definitive starter. I think you're probably going to see Orlando Skandrick leave. I think he's after his contract. I think he has two years left, maybe. And I think you're not going to see. I think maybe next year, even you might see them cut him cut him loose early. So I think it's going to be Jordan Lewis starting at the right right cornerback spot. Left cornerback spot is probably going to be Anthony Brown. So I, I'm still bullish on his development in future years. He still has the athleticism. He has the length. He has the speed. He's, he just needs to get his technique a little bit more sound. And then in the slot, I think you're going to see Chidobia Wuzie actually play in the slot a lot. As And then in dime and nickel situations, he'll, he'll kind of be the rover player who moves around. And then the two starting safety spots, I see Xavier Woods and Byron Jones. That's a good secondary. I like a lot of the players in there. I'm not not too happy about that. Uh, when it comes to undrafted free agents, I would be remiss not to mention Corey Clement. And of course, I got to take my medicine there because, uh, as the listeners know, I was not the biggest Clement fan coming into training camp. But hey, he's tied up for second most touchdowns on the team with Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar. He's got five. Obviously, three of those came in this past week here against the Broncos. But these last two games, you know, Corey Clement is really just carved out a huge chunk of the running back rotation. 22 carries, 105 yards. That's an average of 4.8 yards per carry. Uh, two touchdowns and then the one receiving touchdown as well. So big props out to Clement. You know, a New Jersey kid who's made it as an undrafted free agent in Philadelphia. You got to respect that. John, I got one final question for you. Given all the similarities of this Eagles and uh, the, these two drafts, Eagles and Cowboys, and, you know, the way that these players have played out, if I gave you the option to switch these classes, would you take it? Oh. Uh, um, 
Yeah, probably, because I was a big fan of Sidney Jones coming out. I like Derek Barnett. I like Rasul Douglas. Big fan of Mac Hollins. So, yeah, I probably would as much. Don't tell the Cowboys fans that. Don't, don't release this to Cowboys Twitter, but I probably would. All right, your secret's safe with me. But, Eagle fans, you heard it here first. We outdrafted the Cowboys. If anybody tells you otherwise, at John Owning on Twitter. John, thank you so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. Why don't you go ahead, plug your stuff. What are you working on? Where can the folks find you on Twitter? Give them all the goods. Yeah, find me on Twitter at John Owning, J-O-H-N-O-W-N-I-N-G. And you can find my work at FanRagSports.com, as well as the great work of guys like Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, John Ledyard, all those types of people. So make sure you click on those articles. All right, fantastic stuff. Next week, we're back into our regular schedule here on Locked On Eagles, getting ready for that Cowboys matchup. We'll have the crossover pod, which is exciting. A couple more guests as well, as we've got a few more days to fill because we're not recapping anything off of the bye week. Make sure you enjoy your bye week. Watch some football stress-free. It's a weird feeling. You only get it once a year, so make sure you enjoy it. To keep on catching all the Cowboys-Eagles content, you're going to have to keep it locked on here on Locked On Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.